Okay, we're in a series called The Power of the Tongue. I don't like this series at all. It is my least favorite series of all series I've ever preached because I have to bite my tongue like 20 times a day while I'm preaching this series. I'm basically just not talking all during the week. I'm just not even talking at all. It seems like everything I say is either, you know, selfish or, or negative or something. And so it's very, how many of y'all had to bite your tongue like a hundred times in the past week? How many of y'all are married to someone you wish they would bite their tongue like a hundred times? Like, okay, so here's what I want to teach you before we get into our point today. The way you connect with God is through words. Uh, if your relationship with God is not what you want it to be, you have to open up your mouth more. Um, God does not inhabit your thoughts. He knows your thoughts, but that is not what causes God to move. Uh, when your tears, he's moved by, he's touched by your tears, but he doesn't get off your throne and do something because of your tears. Uh, he, he knows when you're in pain. He knows when you're going through difficult times. But if you want God to move in your life, you have to open up your mouth. As we talked about last week, Psalms 22.3 says God inhabits not the complaints, not the thoughts, not the negative comments. He inhabits the praises of his people. So if you want your relationship with God to grow, open your mouth more. Okay, listen real close. Just like your relationship with God, every relationship you have with every other human being in the world is based on your mouth. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says encourage one another daily. We connect to God with our words. We connect to people with our words. Every relationship rises or falls based on communication. All the relationships you've had that have gone south in life and you're no longer friends with them is because both of you or one of you had a sour mouth, had a bad mouth. Every relationship in your life that you think is really great is because there's really great communication going on. So if you want a healthy relationship, have a healthy mouth. Are you with me? Okay, this word encourage here in the Greek, it means this, to strengthen or build. And it's the same Greek word as the word foundation. In other words, if they were building a huge skyscraper, the first thing they'd want to make sure they do is get a good foundation, okay? This word encourage in the Greek is that word. It's basically saying this, the foundation for every healthy relationship is encouragement. If you want a better relationship with somebody, you have to be an encourager in life. You're with me? Say, oh yeah. Okay, okay today in part four, I want to talk to you about this. Bless, um, I want to talk to you about tongue of blessing. Tongue of blessing. You and I, we have the ability uh, to heal people who are emotionally sick. Uh, we have the power to give somebody confidence who's battling insecurity. Um, we have been given the privilege by God to deliver joy into someone's life who's battling depression or thoughts of suicide. And we have this power all through the words that are coming out of our mouth. We've all been given this power from God. Um, I'm a pastor, so I know what people are going through. And I can tell you very honestly and for real that there are people who put on a smile and they put on a smile at work and they put on a smile at church, but on the inside, they're incredibly sick. They're full of pain. They are hurting from abusive relationships, from bad doctor's reports, and your words could be the very thing that causes them to keep going forward in life. I know a lady right now, I'm friends with her, and she has young kids, and she's battling tests of cancer in her life right now. Just going through that hard time. I know a guy, a little bit older than me, he's got something going on in his brain, and the doctor's told him he has just a few more months to live. Um, those people and many more, they're in this building right now. It could be, and I'm being real, it could be the person sitting next to you. 
I, with, all my, with all honesty, the people I just mentioned are in this room right now. You have no idea what somebody's going through. And your words could be the very thing that brings healing, that keeps them motivated to go forward, that keeps them believing that healing can occur. All with your mouth. So I have three points for you today. Oh, first let me get in James 3.10. Sorry. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. We praise God and curse people made in his likeness. This should not happen. Okay, the word curse here um, does not mean four-letter words. Okay, it's not blankety-blank or anything like that. The word curse here means anything negative. The word curse in the Bible can mean correction that you give somebody and you don't have authority to give it. Um, this word um, curse could mean a, a nagging or fault-finding wife or husband. Uh, this word curse can mean you just telling somebody, do you see what you did wrong? You, you always do that. That's a curse, anything negative. The blessing all through the Bible means this. It means to speak well of, to pronounce divine favor, or to declare good things. All through the Bible, the blessing is something that is verbal. Now, here's what I want you to understand today. Biblically, and when I say the word biblically, that means whatever I'm about to say may go against the way you were raised or what you see in culture or on television, okay? Biblically, the most valuable thing you can ever give somebody is the blessing. There's nothing more valuable. Your words can cause them to go further than a million dollars. The most valuable thing you could ever give a person who you love is to tell them how much you love them, how great you think they are, how God's got a great future for them. Those words go further than anything else biblically. And some of you rich people in here, you would rather give somebody a $100 Christmas present than take the time to write a card by hand and tell them how much they mean to you. I know parents, they'd rather buy their kids something than look them in the eyes and say, I am so glad you're my child. I am so thankful that I am your father. You are such a great kid. I love you so much. You know how many people in this room, even older people, have never been told that by their parent. They've never had the blessing spoken over them. So three points for your notes today. Number one is this. Blessings bring hope. They bring hope. Joshua was about to take over for Moses and his first assignment as leader of the Israelites was to take two million people into the promised land and defeat the giants. That's his first assignment as the leader. It'd have been nice if they asked him to teach Sunday school first or something, you know. But his first assignment, hey, these two million people you've been in the wilderness with for 40 years, yeah, take them in the promised land and defeat all the giants. And the Bible said in Deuteronomy 3.28, God told Moses, encourage Joshua. Tell Joshua you think he's great. Tell him he's got leadership skills on the inside. Tell him you're praying for him. You're believing that he can do it. If you do this, he'll cause the people to be able to occupy the land. Here's my question. Would Joshua have been successful without the blessing of Moses in his life? One time David was going through a difficult time in life. He had a best friend named Jonathan. In 1 Samuel 23, 16, Jonathan went to David and encouraged him. He didn't wait until the pastor said, somebody's hurting. He didn't wait till he saw on Facebook they're going through something difficult. He knew this is my best friend. This is someone God's put in my circle. My responsibility to my friend is to encourage him, to help him go forward, to tell him he's going to be able to accomplish his destiny. That is my responsibility because God put this person in my life. I am responsible to God to always push them forward. Um, Thomas Edison and Henry Ford met for the very first time. And, and Ford was introduced to Edison as the man who was trying to build a car that would run on gasoline. When Edison heard this, his, his face lit up, he slammed his fist on his desk, and the first words he ever said to Henry Ford, he said, you've got it. 
That's a brilliant idea. A car with its own power plant built in. You're going to do great things in life. Henry Ford said until that one comment, his entire life, he had never had anyone ever encourage him. And he said, I almost doubted myself and I was about to give up until the greatest mind alive gave me his approval. What did Edison do? He blessed Henry Ford. In fact, he blessed him so much, some of y'all are still making payments to him. That's how blessed he is. <laughs> anyway, so Abraham Lincoln, on the day Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, he was carrying three things in his pockets. You can see these things at the Smithsonian today. He was carrying a handkerchief that had his initials engraved on it. He was carrying a $5 bill, and he was carrying a newspaper article with him in his pocket that Abraham Lincoln brought with him everywhere he went. Very unusual. The newspaper article read at the top, Abraham Lincoln, the greatest statesman who ever lived. Why would this man who was so educated, this man who was so powerful, he had such you know, confidence on the inside, he's doing amazing things for the nation, why would he need a piece of paper written by a stranger who doesn't even know him saying what a great statesman he is? Here's why. Every single person needs the blessing to succeed. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care how happy they look on Facebook, which is all fake, by the way, because I know people. I don't care what's going on or what you think. Everybody needs the blessing. Every single one of us need it. It's built into us. God puts people in our life to give this to us. And if you haven't been getting a blessing from somebody, maybe you're not giving any out. You reap what you sow. You know, David was talking about his enemies one day in Psalm 109, 17. He said, God, this guy's just going around cursing people. Tell them they can't do this. They're no good for that. I don't like that. And you know what? Now he's got a curse on his life. And he's never blessed anybody. And now blessings are so far from him. Um, this past Monday night, my wife and I, we went out to eat a double date with, with my friend and, um, and his wife. And we were at a restaurant called Abundance in uh, North Myrtle Beach. Amazing restaurant, by the way. I highly recommend it. And the owner came to our table to talk to us. It was our first time there. And the owner was talking about how he was a Messianic Jew and going to a Lutheran church now. And so immediately, you know, Mark, my friend, uh, he pointed to me and said, well, this, this guy's a pastor. And, and so I pointed right back at him and I said, well, this guy's a nightclub owner. You know. <laughs> anyway, and so, and, and, and so I actually had my phone out at the time that the guy was at our table. So I hit record. I have a recording uh, for the first time in history, uh, Mark ever giving me a blessing. He was telling the owner about me. I got a video of it right here. John Paul, there's very little that he is good at. In fact, it's very hard to find anything at all that he's good at. But he is the best public speaker that I've ever met in my entire life. Interesting. He's horrible at everything else. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Whatever I can get, I'll take it. I'll take it. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, he says, he who prophesies or he who speaks on God's behalf always speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and comfort. Let me ask you, have you been prophesying over your household lately? Have you been prophesying over your employees? The words that come out of your mouth have the ability, the potential to draw out the best in people. Um, I heard about this experiment that was done in California years ago. This school board, these principals, they got together. They decided to do this, you know, experiment. And so they called three teachers, one teacher from each of these three schools. They said, listen, we want you to come in because y'all are the best teachers in the whole district. 
I mean, y'all are the, the brightest teachers. Everyone knows that y'all are the best of the best. So we want to use you to do this experiment. And so they said, we're going to take the, the smartest 90 students, 30 students from each of the three schools, the smartest, the best of the best, and we want you teachers to teach them at a faster pace this year just to see what could happen. The teachers and the students were so excited knowing they were the best of the best of the best and, and they were challenged to do great things. At the end of the school year, all the results came back and the 90 students that were taught by the three great teachers, they were 30% further along than all the other students in the district. On top of that, their scores were higher than they've ever been in that entire county at any school. Man, everybody was so excited at the results. They all felt so great. After they read all the results to everybody in the room, the, the board of principals let everyone know that those students were not the smartest 90 students in the three schools. They were just 90 average students drawn from a hat. When the teachers heard that, they thought, wow, we are really good teachers. We didn't just take the smartest 90 students. We took average students and made them so good. After they thought that for a little bit, then the principal looked at the teachers and said, y'all are not the three greatest teachers in the district. Y'all are just three teachers drawn out of a hat who we chose. Here's the point. It says, when we speak it out, we can draw out the best in people. Now, I don't know if y'all know this real quick. I want to tell you if I get to my next point. We have a very strict policy here at Solid Rock. Uh, we only allow certain people to come to our church. And we do a background check on every single one of you. Our ushers know this. They're the entrance and the exits. We only allow people in this building who are the happiest, the biggest givers, and the best looking people in all of Myrtle Beach. So if that is not you, you would not be here today unless that was you. Y'all are the best of the best. The cream of the crop. Y'all are the greatest. Okay, listen. Our thoughts don't bless anyone. You know, we're always, I, I know some of you ladies have probably already thought, you know what, I like her outfit. Tell her. She sang so pretty. Tell her. And you think, well, I love seeing the teenagers up here playing you know, the big. Let them know. You think these things, but a blessing is not a blessing unless it's spoken out. There's no life being given to your thoughts. You got to say it. Point number two is this, blessings bring happiness. Blessings bring happiness. Now, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, happy wife, happy life. Oh, you listen, if there's anything a man wants, if there's anything a woman wants, they want their family to be happy. You might not have the biggest house or you know, all the money in the world, but you want your family to be happy. Every time you interact with somebody in your household, every time, you are either making a deposit or you're making a withdrawal out of their love tank. These love tanks that we carry around, they have to be filled with the people that God's put in our life through words of affirmation. A lot of times when somebody's on edge in the family or they, they, they're quick to be mean or, or angry or something, it's really not what you think's going on. What they're saying is, you haven't filled me up. I'm running on fumes here. I'm empty. And I, I can't even tell you how many parents I know, all they do is correct their children. You're not doing this. I say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Pick that up. Do this. And the kids are just thinking, oh my, do, do you love me? Like, tell me how much you love me. They're crying out for a blessing. Whenever you make a, a withdrawal, you're, you're, you're correcting somebody. You know, close the cabinets better. You left the dogs out. You, you should have pulled your car up differently. Whatever. That's a withdrawal. It's okay to make a withdrawal from your family as long as there's money in the bank or else you're going to have a bounced check. The way you make a deposit is you tell that person, 
I love you so much. I'm so glad you're in my life. I don't know what I would do without you. I love being your father. I love being married to you. I can tell you, and Michael will, Michael will confirm it. Since the day we started dating, I probably affirm her 30, 40 times every single day. The way she smells, the way she looks, the way she sings, the way she talks, the way she serves our family. I just think of something because it's in my heart to do it. So listen, so when I make a withdrawal, there's something there. Because in, in relationships, you have to make a withdrawal every now and then. But you can't make the withdrawal unless you've made many, many, many deposits. It says in Ephesians 5.33, a wife is to respect her husband, to notice him, esteem him, praise him, and admire him greatly. How much praise is going on in your house? Well, you know, if another lady at work starts praising your husband more than you do, What's going to happen to that connection? It's not going to be safe for your marriage. Don't ever, ever let another woman praise your husband more than you. You better make sure you praise him. If, if the only thing your husband does is get up out of bed, you tell him, you're the best getter-upper in the whole world. <laughs> the way you open your eyes at 11 a.m., oh, baby. <laughs> 1 Peter 3, 7 says, husbands, be thoughtful of your wife. Treat her with honor. Everybody say honor. honor. So your prayers aren't hindered. This is amazing. Yeah. This tells me, men, if you want your words to reach heaven, God's looking to see what your words are to your wife on earth. Isn't that crazy? If you want your prayer, and us men, we need God to move on. We pray, God, I need help with this. I need you to strengthen me here. If you want those words to reach the throne of God, he's waiting to see how you're treating your wife. I heard about this um, <clears throat> man, he opened up his door one day to go outside and get his newspaper, you know, down the end of the driveway. It was a very cold winter morning. When he opened up his front door, the neighbor's dog was on his front porch with his newspaper in, in the dog's mouth. So the man was very pleasantly surprised. He, he took the newspaper out the dog's mouth and he started petting the dog and petting the dog. And they started praising him. You're such a good dog. I love you. are such a good. You're so cute. Then he went and got him a treat. Got some bologna out the fridge. Gave it to the dog. And the dog went away. He thought that was so cool. The next morning he opened up his front door to go get the newspaper like normal. And the dog was sitting there again with eight newspapers. <laughs> he went to every house on the block and got their newspapers. You know why? Because men are like dogs. There's only a few things us men need. Some petting, some, some, some food, <laughs> a treat, and praise. We respond to praise better than anything else. Proverbs 16, 21. All the men said, Row. <laughs> Proverbs 16, 21. A wise, mature person is known for his gracious words. Pleasant words persuade others. If you want to persuade the people in your family, it is not with manipulation. It's not with being passive aggressive. It's not with, you know, mumbling things under your breath or showing a bad attitude or silent treatment. It's always with pleasant words. Everybody say pleasant words. <clears throat> um, all growing up, my, I have four boys and, and one girl. And as my boys were growing up, whenever they were born, I started a diary for each one of my boys. Um, my son, Logan, he's uh, 25 this year, and he was born when I was 16 years old at Conway Hospital. And so the day after he was born, for some reason, I, I went to the bookstore and I got a diary and I started a diary to him. And I've I written in it every single month since the day after he was born. I did it with all, all four of my boys. 
And uh, when Logan turned 25 a, a few months ago, it was about the time where my diary was finished. For, the one for him, of course. And in it, you know, it has everything in his life, everything he's accomplished and how God's hand was on him and, and you know, prophecies he got over the year. And how much I, I have things in there, the mistakes that I made that I want him to learn from and, and, and things that God, just all kind of great things. And so for his birthday this year, the diary was finished, so I gave it to him. It's the first of the four diaries that I was able to give to one of my boys. And I'm very, very sentimental. <clears throat> I don't think anyone's as sentimental as me, but I gave it to him, and I thought, you know what? He'll read it in a few months, and we'll talk about it at Christmas, I'm sure. He's got his own family, a wife and two kids, you know, and they're great. I don't get to talk to him as much. I gave it to him on, like, I think it was a Friday night. On Saturday morning, he calls me up. He said, Dad, Dad, I've read the thing three times all the way through. He said, I can't believe it. And we spoke for an hour on the phone, and there were two main subjects. The first one was this. Dad, I, I had no idea how much you loved me. I said, son, I've told you every single day, you know, from zero to 18, 19, 20 years old. And you know, now he's got his own life, his own job, married kids. But he said this, he said, I guess I forgot. You know, I got called up in my own kids and everything. I forgot how much you loved me. The other thing he said was this. He said, dad, I didn't know that God had such a great plan for my life. I said, son, that's all I've ever told you growing up. He says, but I saw it written down. I saw it. He said, I didn't even remember half this stuff until I read it. All the things we went through, all the things. Listen, words on a paper changed his life. I couldn't believe it. And then out of his mouth, the phrase that I've been longing to hear for 25 years. He said, Dad, I feel like God wants me to be in ministry with you one day. I said, son, I've been praying that since the day that you were born, you know. I was reading a book years ago on the Korean War. I don't know why I was reading it, but in it, it talked about this general named General Dean, D-E-A-N. He was captured by the Koreans, and they were about to assassinate him, but he was crying and, and talking about his family. So they allowed him to write a letter to his wife and kids before they assassinated him. They promised they would mail it, and they did. In the book, I was dying to find out what he wrote and it never did say. But I thought about this. If this was your last day to live and you were given a chance to write, to speak, to just say one more thing to your wife and your children, what would you say? And why not say it today? Why not go ahead and give them a blessing? Just let it out. At my house, you know, with all the kids, we're always laughing, we're always cutting up, there's always and there's so much joy in our home. And when all five kids are under the same roof with grandkids, we scream and laugh. So we're on the floor laughing. There's always so much cutting up. What my kids love to do is, for some reason, they love to make fun of me. They take, you know, whatever they can, the, 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 well, the exaggerated things, and they just and they go on and on and on with it. One thing my kids always make fun of me for, and I didn't realize this until maybe two or three months ago, they always make fun of me for complimenting them so much. When they're mocking me or they're pretending like they're me, they'll walk through the house with a very Southern accent, which I don't think I have a Southern accent at all. I don't hear it, but they'll say, I'm so proud of you. You're so handsome. You're so smart. You're so strong. I'm like, what do y'all do when they're like, we're being daddy, you know? That's what they say. Can you believe that if my children, when they make fun of me, they make fun of me that I compliment them. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. If I were to die today, that's what they would remember. His dad just goes around the house, just shoot the blessing out of his mouth. Man, why would we withhold that?
from the people who we love. It does so much good. But yet when you withhold it, the selfishness, it could be so damaging to their life. In Genesis chapter 27, Isaac was an old man and he's about to die. He's blind as a bat. And Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau's the oldest, and then there's Jacob under him. And so before the father would die, one of the last things he'd do was he would call the family around, and he would speak a blessing over their life, and it gave them direction for their future. And so Esau, the firstborn, normally he'd get the bigger blessing, the bigger inheritance. But Jacob wanted Esau's blessing. So Jacob goes into his father Isaac's room. His dad's blind you know, can barely hear, near death. He goes in there and he says, it's me, Esau. And Isaac says, you sound like Jacob. He says, no, dad, I promise I'm Esau. So Isaac speaks the firstborn blessing over Jacob that belonged to Esau. In the middle of this story, the most unusual scripture in verse 12, he says this, what if my dad realizes I deceive him and he curses me instead of blesses me, I will be cursed for the rest of my life. He was saying the words that my authority figure speaks over me can impact my future forever. Forever. That's why it's so important that we, we, we don't withhold the blessing from our family. And so a few minutes later, Jacob leaves. The real Esau comes in. Esau says, Dad, I'm ready for my blessing. He says, oh, no, I thought you were here. He said, no, no, that was Jacob. And so Esau starts screaming, please, please give me the blessing, please. And in verse 33, Isaac says this, I've already given the blessing to Jacob. It can't be taken back. So he will be blessed forever. Man, that's so amazing. It tells me our words, once they're spoken, we can never, ever, ever take them back. You can't pull them back. Once you say it, that's why you got to make sure you're saying the right things. I, I told you, ladies, don't ever let anyone ever praise your husband more than you. Men, don't let any man ever honor your wife more than you. But parents, don't ever let a coach or a pastor or a friend or a teacher ever make your children feel more special than you do. That is your number one responsibility to them. Point number three, and after this, I'll let you go. Blessings bring healing. They bring healing. Gentle words that build up in Proverbs 15, 4 and encourage people are a tree of life with healing power. Let me, let me ask you a very honest question, okay? If you met somebody here at Market Common who had a terrible illness and you happen to have an unlimited supply of the vaccine, an unlimited supply of the medicine, an unlimited supply of the cure in your pocket, would you give it to them or would you withhold it and keep on walking? You give it to them, right? They're deathly sick. You have the cure. Unlimited life. Okay, the world is filled with sick people. Your home has sick people in it. All of you, when you were kids, you remember what it was like when you come home from school and your parents said, how was your day? You'd say, it's great. You'd put on a smile and you'd go to your room and be full of anxiety or fear or pain. Someone's bullying you. Someone called you a name. Some you know, boy or girl doesn't like you. Whatever you're going through. The point is this. Don't go by what people say. Don't go by their facial expressions. Believe what I'm telling you. Everyone is sick. Everyone is sick. And we have healing power in our words. Um, before Moses died, he, you know, he, 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 he oversaw the Israelites for 40 years. And they were a bunch of complainers negative people, but for some reason Moses loved them so much. I mean, he left 
Pharaoh's palace. He was the prince of Egypt, and he left there to be a slave and to serve God and to serve his people. So when Moses was dying, he said, God, I love them so much. I want to do something that will help bring favor into their future. I want to do something that will heal their negative spirit. I want to do something that will cause them to do great things in life. God, what can I give them? And in Numbers 6, 23, God said, Moses, this is how you're going to bless my people. You're going to speak to them. Out of everything supernatural God could do, he said, Moses, just say this to them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. If you say this in my name, here's what I'll do, God said. I'll do it. I'll bless them. If you speak it out, I'll give it to them. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Thoughtless words can cut like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Um, I'll close with this last story. I'll let you go. It's a true story. This five-year-old boy named Michael, um, his parents were about to have their second child, and it was going to be a little girl. And Michael was so excited, he could not wait to meet his little sister. Uh, he'd been, you know, just, just so overwhelmed. He was going to be a big brother. Everything was going to be great. And so as his mom's belly started getting bigger and bigger, every night when she tucked little Michael into bed, they went through a routine together where he'd put his face up to, the, up to his mom's belly and he talked to his little sister. And before he went to bed, the last thing he would do is he would sing her a song. It's the only song he knew. He'd sing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. This was his routine. Every night he'd sing to his sister. The time finally came for his mom to have the baby. And, you know, her husband, the father, was there. And the family was there. And they all go to the hospital. And Michael's in the waiting room with the grandparents. Unfortunately, some, some negative things took place in the hospital room where the baby was being delivered. And the baby came out very, very, very ill. They weren't expecting it at all. She ended up in the neonatal intensive care unit, and it got so bad, the doctors finally came in and told the parents that the little girl's not going to make it. She probably has just a few hours left to live. This whole time, Michael's in the waiting room saying, when am I going to meet my sister? When am I going to meet my sister? They didn't tell him anything wrong had happened. The parents are devastated. They don't know what to do. But the mom knew that if Michael didn't get a chance to at least meet his sister, then he'd regret it for the rest of his life. So even though no children are allowed in that particular part of the hospital, Michael's mom snuck him into the hospital room. When he saw his baby sister, she was in one of those you know, plastic containers, and there was tubes and wires and machines and beeping. And at first, Michael was very taken back, but after a few seconds, he ran straight up to the baby. He put his hands on the little plastic container, and he started singing to her. You're my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when the skies are gray. This nurse heard what was going on. She runs inside of the room. She says, oh, he can't be in here. He's not allowed in this room. He needs to leave. But she noticed that the baby's rapid heart rate started slowing down. So she said, Michael, you can stay in here if you keep singing. And so he's saying, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Please don't take my sunshine away. You know, after 10 minutes of him singing, the baby's heart rate got to normal. Her pale blue face went away, and she was all jittery and shaky before, and now she's all calm and peaceful. It was like the words of a five-year-old boy were bringing healing into somebody's life. Within the next few days, against all odds, the baby was totally happy, healthy, normal, and she went home to be with the rest of the family. 
Um, you know, I was thinking the, the very last thing that, that Jesus did before he died, amazing to me. I mean, he's flying up to heaven like, like Superman. It's after death, resurrection. He's an author a little bit. And now he's, you know, like Iron Man about to fly up to heaven. The last thing Jesus did in Luke 24, 50 says he raised his hands. He blessed his disciples and he was taken up to heaven. That amazes me. He could have done all this supernatural miracle. I mean, he's supernatural. He's flying. He's about to fly. And the last thing he does, he tells these men who were cussers, that they were arrogant, they wanted to be first, they were always fighting on the road. He told these men who actually left everything to follow him, man, you guys are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're going to impact the entire world for thousands of years to come. And then he goes up to heaven. That tells me every time we leave someone we love, we need to make sure we leave them with a blessing. Um, in closing, and we got to go uh, with the position that God's given me as your pastor. Um, I actually have authority from God to speak into your life. And, and I take that very humbly, and I'm honored that you come here and allow me to do that. And so if you need a blessing today, I want you to just bow your heads and just lift up one of your hands right now to receive it. By the authority that God's given me, every person under the sound of my voice is blessed. I declare you're blessed with godly wisdom and obedient spirit and clear direction for your life. I declare you're blessed with creativity and good ideas. I declare you're blessed with a good family, godly friends, and a long, healthy life. I declare you're blessed with success and that you look forward to constantly being a blessing to others every single day. In the name of Jesus, every curse and negative word that's ever been spoken over you is now broken and will have no effect on you or your future or your family. I declare that you'll experience a new sense of hope, happiness, and healing in your life. Solid Rock, I declare you are blessed. Amen. Yeah.